What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case, episode three dropping. Today, we are going to be talking about Nebraska and Michigan State. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Make sure you like and follow, leave a review. Send me an email, Talk at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Now, before I launch into this thing, I do want to be clear. There's a lot of smoke going on with expansion in the Big Ten with some big name programs. When that happens or if it happens, we will talk about it, talk about the impact. At this point, it's it's a lot of smoke, which probably means there's going to be some fire to it, but until it becomes real, I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to, I'm going to assume that more expansion is coming because if Colorado is trying to get out of the Pac-12 and is getting out of the Pac-12, then a lot of other teams are going to be trying to get out of there. And there's been a lot of smoke that Florida State's been unhappy in the ACC that, so I, we're going to Address that when it happens. For now, best case, worst case, with I think two of the most uh, unpredictable teams in the Big Ten. Uh, I think that, you know, Nebraska obviously has a new coach. They have a lot of transfers and there's a lot I think a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around the program. There's been a lot of transfers, right? Uh, Billy Kemp from Virginia, Josh Fleeks from Baylor, uh, who were contributors contributors there. Uh, Jeff Sims at quarterback comes in from Georgia Tech. Uh, You've got other guys coming in from Texas A&M and Georgia and, you know, just a lot of of guys transferring in and there's a lot of enthusiasm. And so that's exciting. Obviously they they have a few folks coming back too. Marcus Washington, who is maybe their number two receiver uh, in, uh, in this offense last year, he comes back and, you know, he had played at Texas for a few years before that. Uh, They're really high on their running backs, Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant, you know, so there's there's a lot of excitement. Obviously, Matt Rule coming in, just very very excited. You know, there's a lot of excitement, and yet you have to remember this is a team that really struggled last year. Three wins. Um, obviously, fired their coach. You know, Mickey Joseph was the interim. But the, the reality is, you know, Nebraska. You know, they've had a lot of turnover with transfers. They've had a lot of other things, but. The problem to me has never been a 
dearth of talent. Now, they, they're not as talented as the best teams in the Big Ten. They're not as talented as, I think, the, the best teams in the West. But I never thought that they were, you know, a 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight team. They were 4-8 and eight last year, not 3-9. and nine. Sorry, they were 3-9 and nine the year before. But you have to remember, they've lost, all, They especially under Scott Frost, they lost a ton of one-score games. And now, all of a sudden, you've got a guy who is a proven winner. You know, he... Often in his first year, both at Baylor when they were under probation and at Temple, they started off either with one or two wins. So, you know, there's there's some concern there about this season. But also, I think Nebraska, from a personnel standpoint, is, a, is in a better spot. Not a much better spot, but a better spot than those other two programs. Obviously, Baylor, I mean, they were, you know, they were in a mess. The problem for Nebraska ultimately is the schedule. Uh, I've, you've heard me say it probably a hundred times already. The Big Ten is a loaded conference this year. It's a loaded conference. And while I don't think the West has nearly the same type of talent at the top, Wisconsin and Iowa and maybe even Minnesota, I don't think are going to be a joke this year. Like... I. I think Wisconsin's going to be really, really good under Luke Fickle the more I've thought about it and studied them a, a bit. I think Iowa with Cade McNamara, Eric All transferring over there, you know, they, they get a couple of uh, transfer receivers. You know, they're going to be, I think, a little bit better than people want to give them credit for. You know, with the, the running joke is that Iowa can't can't score, but the reality is, those teams got better over the offseason. They they both got better quarterbacks. They both got a little bit better personnel on the outside. And they're both going to be really good defensively. So I, I think you have to realize that this isn't the West like in some years where it's a crapshoot, where anybody could win this thing. Um, like you just have to understand that. So... That being said, if you look at last year, if you look at uh, Nebraska and what they were able to accomplish, they were one point away from beating Wisconsin. They beat Iowa on the road, no less. You know, they, they it was a one-score game with Northwestern, uh, one-score game with Georgia Southern. Uh, they one-score game with Purdue, who's the Big Ten West champ, one-score game with Minnesota. So, again, if those games go... The other way, you're talking about eight and four. You know, the year before that, it was all these one-score games. And now you have a coach who's a proven winner at the college level. And a, a coach who's won at a Power Five conference. So what does that mean for Nebraska? I, I think for starters, I, I think you have to realize the defense, it's experience, but it's, it's not great, right? It's not a great defense. It's It's... They've got some pieces, though, on defense. Uh, so that, you know, they have a, a good corner in Quentin Newsom that they're they're high on. They've gotten some transfer guys on the defensive side of the ball that they're excited about. Um, I think they're excited about uh, Sims at quarterback. They, uh, I think they're excited about their running backs. I think the, uh, the lines are probably going to be 
uh, a little bit better than last year. The offensive line, especially, um, you know, they get a guy from Georgia and Jacob Hood who's at least going to be in the two deep, if not uh, competing for starting time. So they, they've got depth uh, there. They, you know, they got Marco Ortiz who, who played at Florida, and probably not going to be a starter. But again, they have more depth on the offensive line. They have a little bit more depth on the defensive line, again, because of transfers. Uh, got a couple of key uh, key recruits and a junior college transfer. Uh, so th- they are very high on their lines. They The linebackers, I think, are are going to be good again. Reimer's back, who I thought was was supposed to be really good. I don't know if he played all as well as I thought he would last year, but he comes back. Heinrich comes back after being out uh, with an injury after five starts. So there's... There is returning talent, and I think there's optimism here. Uh, their punter, I, I think their punter is one of the better punters in uh, the Big Ten, or at least as he comes in. He was uh, Brian Buscini was uh, the FCS punter of the year, so proven punter that comes in, and that you know you might think, oh, why are we talking about a punter? Remember, they've lost a lot of one-score games over the past several years. Special teams will win you one-score games. And so you have to realize that Nebraska is probably even, like middle of the pack, with probably about four to six other teams in the Big Ten. Like they're, or I wouldn't say they're better than most of those teams, but they're, they're not, they're certainly not in a place where they can't beat those teams. And so what does that mean in terms of worst case, best case? Well, let's, let's go worst case. Let's go worst case first. Uh, worst case is the transfers coming in doesn't doesn't really matter. They don't solidify. They go to Minnesota and they get blown out by the Gophers. Um, and then they go to Colorado and Prime's got them ready to go and they lose to Colorado. Start 0-2 and it's like, here we go again. Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech I think Nebraska has a little bit more talent, and I think Rule is too good of a coach to lose to those teams. So I, I, I think regardless, I think worst case scenario, they beat both those teams before getting crushed by Michigan, beat by Illinois, bye week, they're two and four. I, I think in the Northwestern, uh, best case, worst case, I was like – I. I, I think Northwest could, could beat Nebraska, but I, I think Nebraska will be good enough to beat w- one of the following three teams, Northwestern, Purdue, at Michigan State. I think worst case scenario is not an offer for those three. I think they get one. So, you know, we're talking worst case, they're three and six before losing three straight, Maryland at Wisconsin, Iowa. And you have to realize, Maryland, I think, could be a borderline top 25 team. Wisconsin could be a borderline top 10 team. Iowa could be a borderline top 15 team. Like, these are really good teams. And so we're not talking about, uh, is Nebraska, uh, Nebraska stinks. Uh, I think, I think that there's a possibility. But you have to remember, too, part of this is the schedule, Right. Wisconsin and Iowa are are 
way better than last year. Okay? So that's the worst case, three and nine. I I think the ceiling is actually more feasible than the floor. The floor is possible. It's it's very possible because even with the new coach and, and the new all the talent, it's still got to coalesce and you've got a lot of experience throughout the Big Ten. What's the best case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Um, I think the best case scenario is they're 4-0 going into Michigan, right? Jeff Sims is able to, to make his mark. You know, the, the running backs really pick up steam and they outmuscle Minnesota, who's looking maybe for a, a feature back after Ibrahim left uh, and kind of maybe looking for something. Kalia Kamanis doesn't necessarily get to where everybody thinks he might get to. Then they, they go to Colorado and, and despite the fact that Dion is the coach and there's a lot of smoke, there, there's just there's also a lot of problems. <laughs> and so not only do they beat Colorado, but they beat them bad, right? They, they win by three or four touchdowns, beat Northern Illinois, beat Louisiana Tech, and so they're 4-0 going into Michigan. And they host Michigan at home. And I, I think Nebraska might keep – they might be able to keep it close. I think this Michigan team's really good. They're really good. And even though Nebraska will probably have – if they're 4-0, they're getting votes in the AP poll at this point. They get beat by Michigan. And they probably get beat by Michigan by, you know, two to three scores, uh, even in the best-case scenario. They, they hang tough. Michigan pulls away late. Um, they go to Illinois uh, on a short week, and they eke out a victory uh, in Champaign – and again, they're eking it out because they're beat up by Michigan and it's a short week. Then they get a bye week. They get to rest up. They're 5-1. And, and they're, they're getting votes in the AP poll again. They beat Northwestern. They beat Purdue. And they beat Michigan State. 8-1. and one, And they're getting votes in the AP – or they're, they're ranked in the AP poll – and I think the last three games, Maryland, at Wisconsin, Iowa, I think they can win one of those games. I, I don't think they can win uh, all three. I don't think they can win two of them because I think that's just that's just a really hard it, – it's a deceptively difficult ending to the schedule. But I think they could win one of them. And I think nine and three – could be on the table. And I, I think I think that's w- actually far more possible than the three and nine. Now, I I probably won't pick that, and I think I've said that with all of these, but I, I am leaning as I think about my projections for the season, I think Nebraska makes a bowl game. I I would think more likely than not they make a bowl game, despite the fact that the Big Ten is as good as it is. So I I like Nebraska this year um, to at least make significant progress. So that's Nebraska. Let's take a quick break, and then we will turn our attention to Michigan State. 
Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're talking Sparty. Michigan State uh, took a bit of a dip. That's actually putting it nicely, probably. Really, really struggled after a a big time, uh, big time season in 2021. Right, got to a New Year's Six bowl, was ranked in the top ten. Uh, I think they were they were up to number number five. I think uh, in the AP before getting upset by Purdue in 2021. But they 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 finished 11 and two. They upset Michigan. You know, it was a great season. Mel Tucker gets the big contract, and then Kenneth Walker leaves. And it last year was, I think, coming back down to reality. And the hard thing about Michigan State, and probably the difference between Michigan State and Nebraska, is I think with Nebraska, there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. I think with Michigan State, there, there's a lot of uncertainty right who's the quarterback like right now Noah Kim is probably penciled in as the starter but you know it could be him it could be Hauser it could be Levitt you know and that's you're talking about a sophomore two freshmen you know who's going to be your number one wide receiver you know Trey Mosley is back but other than that you don't really have a lot of guys that are proven um and not a lot of guys who are necessarily world beaters uh, at that position. You know, at tailback you have Jalen Berger, and you have some other guys who I think they're they're high on, but none of them are Kenneth Walker. And so you don't really have a lot of explosiveness, maybe outside of Mosley. You know, I think they're excited about their tight ends. You know, Nick uh, Nick Samick is back at. at as the starting center, he anchors that offensive line. The offensive line has four starters back. So, like, th- there's some optimism with the offensive line. Uh, certainly some op- optimism in the front seven of the defense, right? Uh, Simeon Barrow at that defensive tackle spot. Cal Halliday and Jacoby Winman uh, at linebacker. I think they're very, very excited about those guys. But, again, the the concern has been particularly on the defensive side of the ball, has been that that defensive backfield. And then with you know with the court, you know quarterback issues, you know, there's been a lot of inconsistency at quarterback. There are certainly pieces that are really, really good, but I think it, it's just tough with all the uncertainty, all the transfers, uh, Peyton Thorne transferred out. Uh, Keon Coleman transferred out. Like, those were your top, like, maybe your top two offensive playmakers outside of Keon Coleman. And now you don't have those guys. And not only that, but you're in the the toughest division in, in the second best conference. And honestly, I don't think there's a ton of difference between the SEC and the Big Ten. Not this year, at least. And... If you look at Phil Steele's schedule difficulties, you know, I said Nebraska's schedule is a little difficult. He still had it in the 50s, like it's 51. So top half, and for the for Big Ten West, it's it's tough, right? But it's not, you know, it's not terrible, right? Michigan State's schedule, according to Phil Steele, is the third most difficult schedule in the country. Now, they start with two gimmies. 
Central Michigan is not very good. And Richmond is obviously an FCS team. And then it gets real. So just to just to go give you context, I'll, I'll start with worst case, as I often do. The worst case scenario is 2-10. Central Michigan, Richmond, and then you got Washington, Maryland at Iowa. I think all those teams will be favored over Michigan State. Then you get a bye at Rutgers, who I think Rutgers has enough to upset Michigan State, right? Like Rutgers, they only beat Rutgers by six last year. And then they get Michigan at home, at Minnesota, Nebraska at home, at Ohio State, at Indiana, who, by the way, Indiana beat them last year, and then Penn State. I mean, you're talking at at least five to seven top 25 teams on that schedule. Like Washington might win the Pac-12. And then you've got a division where I think Maryland's a borderline top 25 team. You know, Iowa, you're at Iowa. You're at Ohio State. It's just, it's a brutal, brutal schedule. And at you know where their strengths are, you know they they can be met with with greater strength, right? Offensive line, okay, the offensive line solidifying, but you got to face a lot of teams who've got really good defensive lines. You've got a good front seven, but you know what? You got to face a lot of teams with good offensive lines that can block that front seven. Good running games. So, and then. To make matters worse, they face a lot of teams that have some firepower, and that's where they're weak. So I, I think the worst case is 2-10. And, and, and I'll be quite honest with you, I think that's way more likely than the ceiling. Now, just to give a little hope, what's the ceiling for Michigan State? I don't think... I don't think they were as bad as five as their five and seven record last year, right? Like they, I think they let Washington beat them twice, uh, beat them a few times. You know, they got crushed by Washington, and I think it just kind of took the wind out of the sails. And then they had to deal with Minnesota, they had to deal with Maryland, they had to deal with Ohio State. But you know what? They beat Wisconsin, they beat Illinois, they beat Rutgers. You know, if they beat Indiana, they're bowl eligible last year. And that, I think we have, to, we have to understand that that is, that's an important thing to realize. So can they get bowl eligible this year? I think it's possible. I, I don't think it's likely. I think they're going to have to fight for it. But here's, here's what I would say. I think Central Michigan and Richmond are, are gimmies. I think Washington... I don't think they can beat Washington. You're talking about a team that has a deficiency in the in the back end going up against a receiving core that I think is only outmatched by Ohio State. Like Washington's receivers are legit. And they don't have the defensive backs to keep up with them. 
I do think they can beat Maryland. Like I think I think they can they can probably handle not handle Maryland, but I think they could upset Maryland. And I think they could beat Iowa. Now it's at Iowa, that makes it a little bit tougher. But I think Iowa is the type of team similar to Wisconsin last year, where like if if you're trying to if you're facing a team that's gonna slug it out, Michigan State can spring an upset. So I think best case four and one going into the bye. And then they get Rutgers, they go two Rutgers, five and one, and it just gets hard. They're not beating Michigan. Like, I know people might point to 2021 and say, oh, they could beat Michigan. They could upset them. They're not beating them. They had Kenneth Walker and Michigan. People don't realize Michigan, as as good as they were in 2021, this version of Michigan is, is, is a legit national championship contender. Like, I could see them hanging with Georgia. At least this this year's version of Georgia. They're not going to beat Michigan. At Minnesota, they can win that one. And so you're talking about seven and uh, six and two at that point. They can beat Nebraska. It'd be tough, but they can do that. They lose to Ohio State. They're not going to beat Ohio State. Too much firepower, but they can beat Indiana. And they could beat Penn State, or no, they can't beat Penn State. Sorry, they're not going to beat Penn State. It'd be hard pressed to see anyone beat in the East beat any of the top three because that's how good they are. I think Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State have really separated from the rest. I think Maryland might be the one that that might be able to 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 get one of them this year, and. We'll talk about that on the next pod, but I just don't think Michigan State has the ability, the the, the personnel to do it. I, I'll I'll be quite honest with you. I think eight and four, again, I think it's the best case. I think it's like a three percent chance. It's not likely, and, and I I think Spartan fans, I just want you to know, I this I think is going to be a hard season. And I, I like Mel Tucker. I think it's unfortunate that he went eleven and two in twenty twenty one, because I think it raised the raised the expectations so high. You know, and it forced Michigan State to to giving him a ninety five million dollar contract, which I I didn't have a problem with. I still don't have a problem with it because they don't they didn't want to lose him. They wanted continuity. But this is it. It's the problem. Really lies in the fact that he went eleven and two with a roster that probably should have gone six and six or seven and five. And so now people are seeing last year and this year, and they're like, "Oh man, this is really bad. He's not a good coach." And I'm like, "No." The reality is. They they caught lightning in a bottle with Kenneth Walker. And they had a good group of receivers where they could spring a few upsets and and win some big games. But when they played teams that exposed their weaknesses, 
you could you you really saw the talent level, like that where their talent level was, and so I think if Michigan I think if Michigan State goes six and six, it's a great coaching job. Now I think one of the key things that T- Tucker has to do after this season, he's got to keep his guys there. Like losing Peyton Thorne, I know people are hot and cold about Peyton Thorne, but having consistency there would be really would be key for them, right? Keeping their best receivers there, keeping Keon Coleman there is really important. And the fact that he couldn't do that, I think it it speaks to maybe where he needs to grow as a coach and, and maybe change philosophy there. But that, that'll do it for best case, worst case. Uh, this has been Nebraska and Michigan State. Again, keep it locked in here at the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. This is Zach Guggenheim signing off. Take care. God bless.